Hello, and welcome to Brandon Routh Stands Up While Recording a Podcast Because He Is Too Big For People-Sized Chairs. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your host, Ari. This is Legends in Review, an unofficial and unaffiliated DC TV podcast, the only good one, We're, reviewing uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. This is an introduction I forgot to give in the first episode of our second season of podcasting. If it makes you so feel better, I didn't notice. So for those of you I coming along for the ride, welcome. And I'm sorry. <laughs> we are twice twice the, the amount of what what the fuck did we say? We're twice the amount of the zero levels of quality we're getting. Yes. Oh yes. So we are bringing you since our our first podcast season. We are bringing you twice the quality. However, the quality is at zero, and two times zero is zero. Are we sure? I'm absolutely positive. All right. I'm bad at math, but even I know that much. Um, You know, I know we just said that, but I think my overarching feeling so far with the season is one of complete and utter dread. Not because something bad is happening, but because these episodes have been good. Yeah. And I'm very, very afraid about when the shoe is going to drop. So le- hopefully it won't drop to the crossover, which Rod is pretty. Vietnam. That's right before the crossover, though. Oh, All right, no! so this episode is in my folder as the Zane train has arrived, ladies. <laughs> which, okay, so Billy Zane in the film Titanic. The guys who do, could you please turn that off? It's giving me a <laughs> I fucking seizure. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. I'm okay. turn it off. Billy oh, Zane God. was oh. in the film. <laughs> it's just a button. I didn't train. know. So the guys who do Mystery Science Theater also do riff tracks. Uh-huh. And they did a riff tracks of the film Titanic, which uh-huh. is... I'm trying to think. No, it wasn't. Okay. It was Tom Servo that said it. It, it was Tom, yes. Tom Servo. And when he gets out of the uh, old car, they just go, the Zane train. Looks like the Zane arrived. train is back in town. And I think there was, it was not Victor Garber's character, but they do close up on the captain. And one of them just goes, I'm going to sink this <laughs> bitch. Which is incidentally, I think, Mark Guggenheim. Yeah, at this point. Because Arrow's ratings are doing so poorly and Legends is actually beating them. Which is gobsmacking. Um, it's I, proof that maybe there is some justice in this unjust there is, horrible world. I also think, in a very legitimate sense, I think the thing is, is people are tired of Arrow's bullshit. Even people who could watch a show about angry, low-rent Batman would be, like, okay with all the misogyny and the violence against women and the coercive rape of lesbians and stuff like that, which is all very bad for the average viewer, but some people... Abusive main relationship. Yeah, you know, um, my point is, is that eventually people will get tired of that and they can go find a discount Batman somewhere else without all of that. So they'll go and move on. Honestly, arguably, I think one of Arrow's biggest issues, and I think it's really good to open Legends of Tomorrow, as we did last week, with just us fucking smacking Arrow across the face. Yeah, well. Every week. Yeah, might as um, well. Why would you go get discount Batman when Gotham now really feels like a Batman show? Mm-hmm. They have a Rachel Ghoul who everyone has said, I'm sorry, Roz for the correct pronunciation, but, um... They have a Ra's al Ghul, who is, um, just everyone has been saying how spectacular he is, while Arrow's Ra's had always gotten his hand. Well, and like, no surprise. Gotham's Ra's and our beloved Nyssa, like, the dream team. That's fair. But, I mean, in a very serious, um, 
I think Legends has kind of found its niche. So it's gaining viewers because now people are rather than like viewing it as this low rent, strange cast off show. They're like telling their friends, Hey, there's this, did you see that fucking crazy show with the gorillas and the, and the, and the horrible, horrible nightmare visions. And like people want to watch the show because now it really has Nick Zano is a fucking nightmare. (laughs) He is a, I, he, I, think I look at biggest, him and I have Jersey Shore yeah, flashbacks. The biggest and I can pull feel of it. legends used to be Wentworth and Dom, and uh-huh. now Wentworth is Wentworth is coming back. Actually, he'll be back after the crossover. Our sweet boy, I'm sweet so boy, sweet boy is like twice our age. My point. Um, but people are actually now tuning in for the other characters, and, and that's because of so how delightful. weird it is. Like because it's, yes, I almost want to say it's that like that Star Trek vibe that Star Trek has when it first came out. That yes, is like look at how campy and odd this is. Yes, and it's like you don't really get like season four of The Flash has been them flailing their arms, deathly trying to be like season three didn't happen. We're still campy and wacky and they I'm so sorry. Season four of The Flash is that one vine of that girl being like, I'm weird. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just blah. I'm weird. But like, and that's the thing is, I'm like, The Flash should have always been fucking weird. The Flash has always been, and I have read, oh my god, 400 Flash comics at this point because I have no self-respect. And The Flash when Ari has never... read something, Ari must binge read it. I've read every single Avengers comic existed, comic in existence. Tell them how many chapters of One Piece you read. Please don't talk to me. Um, I, that's actually not fair. That's, that's, Oh my god, there's like 800. I read about 600 because there were definitely certain arcs in the fights where I was like, I don't need to see 20 pages of Luffy falling through a wall. I'm tired and I want to go home. Can I just mention, viewer, that Ari uh, trimmed their hair a little bit earlier. It looked lovely. He did such a good job. I've oh. just been admiring it. Oh, I'm really sorry. I was like, really, I was like, oh god, did, okay. I, did I miss? Let's go into what the show. What are we even talking about? We should go into the show. Let's we go should. Into the show. We're going we're gonna to edit all this out. Don't worry. We're gonna... This is called, this is comedy. This is comedy scatting. We're funny. This is comedy scatting. We're uh, funny. We are funny, but also I think it's the sort of thing where I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm like, like, oh my god, what do we cover now that they're not fucking up? I would, I actually think we can just. Talk I want to talk about Amaya and Nate. We can talk about Amaya and Nate. We can actually, like, discuss things that we, like, liked. enjoyed and had fun with. And, and then, of course, occasionally be like, allegedly, Mark Guggenheim is a lizard man. <laughs> and that's not anti Semitic for me to say because I'm Jewish as well. That's fair. And I haven't sold out my people by writing Nazi narratives. Honey, allegedly. <laughs> god, dude. Okay, um, so... It sounds like allegedly calling him punny, which is really funny. Okay, I want to get this right off the bat. You... The opening couple of minutes of the episode, I'm literally sitting there like fucking Skeletor, like hissing at this open, unabashed display of love and tenderness. I didn't know how to react. I was like, oh, why are you so, so good? It was, it was such a good... so... Okay, let me talk to you about Nate Maya. Okay, so here's a couple of things. Um, one... I don't know. Do other people discuss shipping on their podcast? I don't care. We might yeah, as well. No, I don't care. Well, what I meant we is... We talk about whatever we want. What I meant is... And not, what I meant is the um, only correct shipping opinions are ours. Yeah, Trust fair. no one else. We know what we're talking about. We've been in this game a long time. <laughs> Too long. Okay, because I've heard people, you know... I had correct like, opinions on Kingdom Hearts shipping, and let me tell you... I, I almost <laughs> just covered the microphone with my hand. I almost just ended this podcast. I was almost just like, it's over. We're just done. throw the microphone at me and leave. <laughs> but that's what I mean is I've been doing this a very long time. And like, Nate and Amaya is so pure and so gentle and so precious. And little details like the fact that he already had framed photos of her. Um, I actually went back and reviewed it. 
It's from one shoot because you know Legends did not have the budget to shoot Nick no. and Maisie together more than They really once. should have just used some selfies it's they took. somewhere in the woods. That's so much. They're wearing like little turtlenecks and vests. Oh my god. They look like an LL Bean catalog. Which is really funny to and me like, because Nate well, hates the outdoors. Let me just say, like, of course, we love Steel Adam. We love, like, I've just been seeing a lot of shit where people are like, Megan and Maya's relationship is so important. I don't understand why they're forcing her with Nate. And I'm like, have you ever had more than one significant relationship in your life? Also, um, maybe I'm, Dominic I'm, Purcell doesn't want to go to jail. Yeah, I mean, I also, you have to keep in mind that there might be that Kyle McLaughlin thing in Twin Peaks yep, where, where he was they, like, I am not he having said this. that Amaya was too young for him to be in a romantic relationship with. And like, we have to respect Dominic's decision on that. Yeah, we don't, again, I that mean, is like, conjecture. I'm, still, I'm still gonna like ship it. And, like, but there's a big difference I, between... I'm gonna respect him as a person. Yeah. Well, do we? I mean, yeah. But my point is, he's, my point about... Um, Wait, uh, did we commit conjecture? Can you yes, commit what, conjecture? Okay, we, allegedly. We had... We, allegedly, we, allegedly. We discussed allegedly. a bit of conjecture, I think would be the best way to verb that. My point is, is that... Um, I know I've seen a lot of people having like ship wars over this. Maybe it's because I'm old and I'm tired. And as I said before, I was in the Kingdom Hearts fandom. So whenever anyone tries to have a ship war, I just start bleeding from the eyes and mouth. It's but true. I've my seen it point, happen. my point being, I think that sometimes people have modern fan culture or like current fan culture. I guess everyone's like so obsessed with what's canon, and they 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 decide that if one ship is canon over the others, that means that that's like a venue that, yeah, that they that, can that they either can. that they can say my ship is canon, so your ship can go fuck itself, or people can be like, well, my ship isn't canon, so I have a very underdog mentality about right, that. So let me say a weird. couple things. Number one, first of all, sometimes things that are canon are worse. Are worse. Second of all, make your own fucking content. It's 2017. Mm-hmm. If you are engaging in fandom. And there's, like, sh- uh, ship you're very passionate about. Just you, fucking make content for you it. You need to be taking on a creative mindset and developing content for it because I promise you... There's a market. You are going to be a happier... And, like, this is not a critique. Mm-hmm. This is life advice. Yeah. You are going to be a happier person if you pick something you like and instead of focusing on all the ways you didn't get it, you make it for yourself in a way that makes you happy. Yes, and I mean, listen, I've been in I've been in fandoms where I have been one of maybe three people writing for a ship, or I've literally been the only person writing a ship. But I would still get people who were like grateful for my work, who would reach out to me and say, "Hey, I'm glad I, you were writing this." I and that goes say, that that I'm goes somewhere. Writing a hawkmate spec that I need to update like very badly, where it's huh. the archaeologist AU, and it doesn't have a ton of kudos, and it doesn't, but it has a ton of hits. Mm-hmm. And I know in my heart there are a lot of Hawk fans out there that are reading it and engaging with it who are probably not used to... Who don't like, engage in fic culture. Yeah, who, fic culture is who a don't engage thing. in fic culture. And also there's just not a lot of Hawk fic. And I'm really trying to put something out there for mm-hmm. people who are... Like, I'm doing it not because it gets a lot of notes on Tumblr, because it doesn't really. I'm doing it because this is a story I really want to write and also because I'm using it as practice for uh, romance novels. But also, on that note, There's that's so kind much of, sex. that's what Legends has turned into. Please don't read it if you're under 18, unless you get a signed permission slip. Jesus. It's, you have to be like, it has to be like Neopets, where you have to like mail them a signed permission thing from your parents, so you can use the message boards or some shit. It's been a while. Um, my, Neopets made you do that? You didn't just If you were under 13? No, because I'm, no, because okay. I was like eight, so I didn't realize you could lie on the internet yet. I started using the internet way too young. Um, my point is this Legends has kind of turned into this where it very much feels almost like fan fiction-y in a very fun way. In a very fun way in that sort of anything can be canon if you believe yeah. in yourself. 
Because, you know, like, Legends is one of those shows where, unlike Arrow, where if a female character has a male love interest who is a horrible monster... You know she dead. She... She dead inside now. Yeah. She can only sort of have a relationship with that one character and all her other relationships get pushed to the side. Or Legends. he kills them. I know. Uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm gonna... Allegedly, uh, Stephen Amell looks like really? something that crawled out of a swamp. God. Not even like a fun swamp. Not even like a not sexy even because like literally they have the guy who played Butch in Gotham. At the I feel end like that's of... really insulting to Swamp Thing. And Alan yeah. Moore, if you're listening to this, I apologize. Alan Please Moore, don't text me. avid avid listener, avid <laughs> Alan Moore, avid listener, Alan Moore, who is currently in my kitchen eating the frozen mice out of my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But, um, I have to, I have to admit, um, to get, I mean, here's the thing, is we really liked Nate and Amaya, yeah. and I'm glad, because I was bitching last week, like, I'm like, I fucking hate when they break people up off screen. They we did, did get to see- They did a pretty job of amending it. Yes, they did. Not a perfect job. But we got to see enough. Like, and that's the sort of thing where, because we're both kind of fanfic content creators, we're both okay with extrapolating and yeah. kind of being like, well, here's what happened in between all that- but I even if you didn't, know it was how fine. you engage in a show without extrapolating. Especially I not this can't show. Ever look at something I'm given and just take it at face value. And ever. like, here's the thing: if you want to succeed in anything, if you want to succeed in business, if you want to succeed in art, you need to be willing to go extra steps. And like, use fandom as your practice for that. Might as well. Um, it is. It is the sort of thing though where I think I think it was a pretty tidy resolution, which yeah. was nice. Um, we then went on to, what did we, what did we really like? I just want to say that, like, my favorite thing about Amaya is that you'd think because she's from the 40s that she'd be a little, like, uptight or something like that. She has always been super flirtatious and super kind of, like, out there. Like, calm, though. Like, There's calm. a difference between calm and uptight. Like, she's not, yeah. she is, like, remember how we were talking about, to jump to shows, we were talking about Amy Santiago and yeah. how she's not the unfun buzzkill straight man she's like the sh- her she is just as wacky as everyone else yeah. but just she's so straight laced it becomes an over the top parody of being yeah. straight laced amaya yeah. is kind of like that mm-hmm. not to the same extent but amaya very much is like a little stoic a little like a calm and reason mm-hmm. but she's very self aware of the effect that her having that persona has on everyone else's perception of her. And in she's this very playful. Where she dicks her finger in the taco sauce, and then Nick Zano sucks on her finger, and then she sucks on that same finger. And somebody pointed that out to me because I had sort of caught the flirtatious stuff, but I hadn't caught that exact detail the first time. And the second time I watched it, I was like, someone's going to prison. Yeah. I don't know who it is. Is it Phil? I, the, the cops, the me? cops were right outside All the right. set. I, there's just this one point I've been, I've been dying to make. Okay. And I kind of want to, cause I know like we really want to go into me and I and how good they are. Are we going to hell for this one? But no, continue. no, no. This is about Billy Zane. Oh Christ. Okay. This is about Billy Zane. And the fact that I really feel like Billy Zane came into this, uh, show and every single scene we see him in his one take. <laughs> <laughs> oh god listen he's a very talented actor I could believe no I literally feel like Billy Zane showed up and was like only doing one take of each scene watch the magic happen I believe it how many takes do you think they film on average anyway like how many how much money do you think we have we have money for probably about four takes a scene yeah and like that's the thing is for people who don't who have never shot like or filmed anything you need at least like 20 30 takes of major scenes when you're filming mm-hmm. um and maybe like 5 to 10 for smaller ones like people just moving around a room or something like that unless there's something really big they're supposed to be doing i would honestly my guess is legends maybe cuts that number in half um which is not ideal but they make it work um but 
Oh my goodness. I actually want to talk about Nate specifically um, in this way where there was a very interesting scene where, in case you don't know, Billy Zane stars as Billy Zane starring as P.T. Barnum. Bill in... Clemmer says he's like, Billy Zane is so great. We want him as every guest star for the rest of the He's like, Marie Curie, <laughs> Billy Zane. Charlemagne, <laughs> Billy Zane. I would, I, I and would I'm be fine literally with that. like, if you can uh, afford it, like, let's go for it. Who's money, Philip? <laughs> if, if they have the money, I would be okay if no one else did any costumes or special effects, but Billy Zane was every single guest star. And it's never mentioned. It's never, no one ever says, hey, don't you look a little, it's like the Dean and in, in all the different costumes. I would pay Do so. You know, it's, it's Billy Zane as Billy Zane, as <laughs> the Dean, Dean Pelton, as various characters throughout time and space. Jesus Christ. Um, so what, now that we Is that too made a textual? No, I think, I think that's, I, I assume that's what people are coming to us for. Um, it clearly can't be our ability to stay on topic. But. I think people are coming to us for the beautiful sounds of our voices. That's fair. I do have a pretty, I have a pretty and nice the, voice. And the occasional and the, uh, dick once, joke? the dick joke and the once a week where I imply that Melissa Benoit <laughs> is allegedly <laughs> a monster. Yeah, that's fair. Um, in any case, uh, the thing I liked about P. Melissa P. Bebo, the thing I liked about- Oh my about, god, that's so good and insulting. Yes, I, I love was, it. I was thinking Melissa Des Moines, like Iowa, but I also don't know if that's how you pronounce no, Des Moines. No, it's literally pronounced Des Moines. I fucking hate I Iowa! Once, I literally once tried to, I have a friend from Iowa, I literally once said, okay, so, like, Des Moines, and he said, you mean Des Moines? I'm, and I'm so like, angry! state is a- Garbage place. Your state fucking sucks. Uh, no offense if we have any listeners from Iowa, but you really need to get that shit changed. Anyway, my <laughs> please have it corrected so we won't be wrong. <laughs> please fix this. This is this is wrong, and I won't stand for it. My point is, there's a point where P.T. Barnum is having a conversation with the bearded woman that's part of the circus, who's implied to kind of be his girlfriend, and I think the circus strawman was implied <gasps> to be their boyfriend. Oh my god! Wait a second. What? Billy Zane is literally fucking the blind guy from Carnival because he was with the bearded lady. Son of a bitch. It's that same like pseudo antagonistic. Billy Zane was not good enough. Was not like morally good enough to be Samson. Oh, that's really. Hey, hold on. This is calling. Who's who's in charge? Phil Clover has not seen Carnival. You're getting sued. He's never seen Carnival. You're going to jail. There's no point. Clancy Brown is going to arrest you personally. My, um... Who's in charge of HBO? The guy who's in... HBO is coming to the house to arrest you as we speak. John Oliver, who I guess he's he's the face of HBO for me. That and uh, the dragons on the, the on the dragon show, because I don't give a shit about uh, um, it. The dragons. Would, okay, um, here's the thing, though, because Phil Clemmer and John Can the dragons Oliver, arrest Phil Clemmer? Absolutely, because here's the real problem, is that in a fight between Phil Clemmer and John Oliver, who's going to win that? Oh, They're that's both a really good question. Bones. That's a really good question. And not the question we're here to answer. Yeah, um, keep going. That's, that's, I'm going to leave that up to you, listeners. But um, send us your replies and who you think would win in a fight, John Oliver or Phil Clemmer? <laughs> My, okay, back to the for real thing. So Please tweet at John Oliver that you think he could physically beat up Phil Clemmer. You're going to have to attach a picture though. I doubt he knows who he is. My point being, Phil, I don't, motherfucker, P.T. Barnum and the bearded woman, who I don't think gets a name, and I hate when that happens. I don't like to refer to characters okay. as just that. Well, but. you know who the, the strong the strong man with the, the jaguar, the cat. Legends was. of Tomorrow's Dog Boy. No, that's Buana, man. He's an actual like superhero from Buana Beast. Buana Beast, yes. Yes, 
He's but an actual like as far person. as I as far as I care about, he's legend's put in, dog boy. Then he put. But I love you, Legends Dog Boy. But Wannabeast is fine. We'll call him that because Legends Dog Boy sounds horrible. Um, First of all, so, as we all know, Legends Dog Boy is Nate Haywood. And I'm. Anyway, it's in a really great podcast <laughs> where we got no achieve. This podcast is over and you all need to go home. I started laughing so hard I choked myself. You deserved it. <laughs> oh, God, that was horrible. You don't actually deserve it. Do okay. Xana listens to this? <laughs> There's no fucking way. I, um, I pray to I hope God, to God that I'm doesn't. not even mine that he does not. I really do. My point is, is Nate, and this is, and this is terrible, and I hate, because it's a really important point, I do want to get to it. Um, so, the bearded woman, P.T. Barnum, and Buona Beast are having a conversation that basically kind of implies that they're in a three-way relationship, which was very nice, but there's sort of implications that are very heavily gendered, that, like, the bearded woman obviously doesn't fit into gender norms or um, gender sexual social norms because of her appearance. And so, of course, they're all in a bar, and Nate's getting sad drunk with Jax, who probably wishes he was literally anywhere else at this point in time. Ray is and also there. Ray is also there. <laughs> Ray, but, I'm also here. Yes, but Nate... I am here. Like, he was... Nah. I hate you. <laughs> um, he was, he was, he was, he was a little more, like, placid. Nate was, like, very clearly grumpy and melancholy, and I think Jax was just riding it out with him. But... Someone, of course, who's also getting drunk on what I assume is actual gasoline. That's that what serving. they said it was in the old West Kendra like TikTok. Yeah, like, this is absolutely gasoline. Yeah, it's literally it's, it's gasoline. It's, gas- it's literally around the same time period, just in a different place. I'm assuming it's still gasoline. It's, it's literally straight up gasoline. My point is, is so obviously someone drunk on this gasoline stands up and calls the bearded woman a freak and is like really harassing her in a way that felt very like uncomfortable uncomfortable for me as someone who is not cis. Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, this this never ends well in modern times. And then Nate stands up and he takes the hit for her and he says, if she's a freak, what am I? And he's talking at the fact that he's shifted into steel skin. He says it in a way that for a long time now, both Rachel and I have had conversations about how Nate Haywood very much reads as a character who's coded to be a trans man. And again, this becomes fraught with, and I'm not going to get into it um, right now because I understand the politics surrounding this, but both of us have always kind of read Nate as not cis, even though his actor is, as far as we know, a cis man. That being said, um, it very much resonated with the two of us. It was very meaningful for Rachel and I to see Nate sticking up for somebody who clearly was not um, a binary cis person um, or was coded to be non-binary or gender fluid. Um, and it really resonated with the two of us. And a lot of the conversations that Nate has with the Maya in this episode are very much about his idea of like masculinity and, and, and being, being a man about certain things. And it all felt very like sad and insecure. And it, it really, I think it resonated with me very personally in a way that was really nice. Um, even if you don't personally, um, read or interpret Nate's character as a trans man, it was very nice to see him vulnerable and admitting that he was like uncomfortable in his masculinity and not sure how to proceed with Amaya. And that made for some really good writing. But what I felt was very interesting was especially in the caged scene where they're both sitting across from each other. It really almost felt like, you know, the scene in Sleeping Beauty when Flora and Meriwether are fighting over the color of Aurora's dress and they're slapping colors back and forth on it. That very much felt like Mark and Phil writing Nate's character in that scene. It literally felt like, make him a misogynist. No, make him a decent man. Make him a misogynist. No, make him a decent man. Yeah. And like, I, yes, you just jump, yes. jump right back in. Um, I think that 
last season, Ari and I were sort of like, you know, why is this episode like this? What's going on? Da, da, da. Now that we can more easily recognize what is clearly Phil and Mark arguing over plot points and characters, mm-hmm. the second you notice it, you can't unsee it. No. And you just kind of have to watch the episode as it is, because you're like, oh, there's Mark. Oh, there's Phil getting it. There's Phil wrestling it back. There's one because doodle that can't be undid. There's sort of these scenes where Nate is like, Amaya, you're so conceited, and how could you think this was about you? And like, you know, because Mark Guggenheim hates women, and yeah. wants, of course, to have Nate as angry at Amaya as physically possible. Because he thinks, like, oh, Nate's justified in this, and Amaya should feel as garbage as possible, and mm-hmm. da da da. And then when somebody, I guess, hits him in the head with a chair and writes out some more of a script, he is a lot more sort of understanding. He's sad. He's, he's angry, sad, but he's sad. And he's understanding of Amaya's condition, you know, condition more. Uh huh. Like, he's and like, I can't believe you left me. It hurt me because I missed you and I love. love you. Yeah. And. You know, sort of the Nate we know and love is the person who steals up for Amaya so Billy Zane doesn't shoot her. And then is the one who saves her because she's going to kill someone for him. Absolutely. And so much. It was just so, because I was kind of worried they'd have him mad at her for longer. He's and not, but the, and he's not like that. It would have been, I mean, like, Nate yeah, is a him holding, him holding a grudge against Amaya would have seemed extremely out of character. And him even being, like, nasty to her, like, even though I know he was kind of entitled to those feelings. He was allowed to be little... frustrated, but, like, it's the sort of thing where yeah. there were definitely moments where I was like, this feels, this feels angrier than Nate has been shown to be before. Yeah, Nate is not... And they've argued before, so it's not like this is the first time they've argued and this is a side of Nate we're not seeing. But it did definitely feel like at times, this is all a conjecture so nobody sue me, but allegedly, I definitely feel sometimes like if Ray is not available for Mark to make his self insert, and he has admittedly said as much that he kind of views Ray as a self insert, which is hilarious. Which is dis- it's hilarious because like what the that's f- how you see yourself. Yeah. Good luck, bitch. Good luck. In any, <laughs> um, in any case, when Ray is not available, allegedly, when Ray is not available, it seems that Mark Guggenheim allegedly projects himself onto Nate, um, and that kind of makes Nate a very different character. But I found it very interesting that a lot of this episode was dealing with Nate's masculinity and his issues with his masculinity in a way that not only resonated to me on a gender level, but just made for a really compelling narrative. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. But it was really nice. Like, this episode, yeah. we've been faffing around this a little because it was a really good episode. episode. It was really good. And it was no more racist than we're usually expecting. That's the thing. It's like, yes, there you was that. Do you want to talk about Sarah and Ava? I cannot wait for their... Sarah and Ava, okay, are going to... I want... That train to Pound Town is pulling she, into And, the like, literally Pound Town. She is going to fist her, and she is going to fist her, uh, ladies. <laughs> ladies. But, but it was... And, I mean, I do think it's deliberate, because there are certain scenes, if you watch the fight choreography, where, like, there's yeah. a scene where um, they're pinned up against the wall, and there's a yeah. moment where they're, like, too close in that way, where I'm like... Well, not only are they too close, but it's framed exactly like a scene... Before Gotham, an angry makeout. In Gotham last season with Barbara and Tabitha when they're fighting, and they Barbara does kiss Tabitha and then she headbutts her. Yeah. And then So this was like the headbutting. This was the headbutting without the kissing. But I do think that I do think my again, all conjecture, I think what's going to end up happening is Ava, Sarah, Rip, Love Triangle, where Sarah's kind of torn between the two. Sarah's in Rip. the middle, not Rip. Yes, and Rip is uh, lighting himself on fire. You know what? Rip does this to himself. He, yeah, he, at this point, fairness, buddy. Rip Hunter does this. Mm-hmm. What is that one constant in all your failed relationships? It's that curse of you. Why do you even have, have that? that? That's literally Rip. 
Um, maybe Kendra gave it to her before she left. God damn it, Kendra! But um, I definitely think that's how it's going to go. I'm okay with that. I love. I like that Ava is. While she can be antagonistic towards Sarah, the narrative is good at distinguishing what being antagonistic towards Sarah and what being an antagonistic asshole on the whole are. Like, she is curt and stiff with Sarah and threatens to, you know, basically kick her ass and does, although it's a tie. Um, but My she's never thing about like that is Sarah essentially threatens Ava and Ava just is like so unimpressed with her and mm-hmm. Sarah makes this pissy little face that Ava is unimpressed with it's her. It's really cute. And she's like, well, fucking fine then, uh-huh. I guess. Uh-huh. But I did, I do think, I like that Ava is very clearly not a cruel or evil person or like she's a bad antagonist. She's the one who suggests them taking a break. Yep. And like, I thought that was such a clever She's sensible. Moment. She's like sensible. She's very tough. She's literally the only person. And I'm including Rip because Rip is also not very sensible because he loves this team too much to be sensible. But she is very clearly like the voice of reason here. And the show recognizes Ava that. Shot. Unlikely voice. Yes, not even reason. unlikely. She's a very likely voice Ava of reason. Shot. Likely voice of reason. <laughs> but they let her be. And like, that's really nice. I really, I do like her. I wish, I want to know more about her backstory. I'm very engaged. I think it was really, really cute that Sarah went to go get Amaya. I'm so excited for Zari next week to have three whole female characters on the time shift. And then with Ava, that's four whole female characters listen that puts us at about an even ratio i'll take it like and that's really nice because even when legends had more people on it it was still yeah. a skewed ratio of like just there and kendra so yeah. i'm cool with an even ratio um i'm so excited for all these ladies hell yeah um but i do i do i really love ava i'd like to see more of her um also i call i want to see her and cynthia I- hang out I feel like that'd be a really fun oh crossover God, show potential. Both so like everything stiff romance is garbage. Uh-huh. But they're also very both stiff and formal. And I think it's interesting because it works. I think Cisco is so soft and squishy mm-hmm. that when someone's very stiff and kind of like by the book with him, you're like, don't be mean to him. He's made of kittens and jello. But like with Sarah, you're like, yeah, someone kind of needs it. Yeah, you're like, yeah, smack her, smack her around. Yeah, like she needs someone who's a bit of a hard ass. But not to say that Cynthia and Cisco are like bad for each other or anything, but like I like when Ava, like when Ava's kind of part well, of the team because they I think need it. Cynthia softened over on Cisco a lot faster too because she's yes, like because Cisco Cynthia is knows soft. Cynthia knows Cisco's not going to push back, whereas all Sarah does with Ava is push back. Push back. She's a fucking. She is. She's a brat. Um, something something spanking. What? No, I mean, I wasn't going to say it. Hey, shut up. I wasn't. Um, I mean, wait. Oh god, what, what were we talking about? Fuck. God damn it! All right, my point is Ava's really fun. I'm really excited to see more. Oh, right, Gary. Oh, wait, okay. oh, wait. I wanna Before do... Gary, I need to say something okay. very important. Okay. And that is that everybody was fucking running their mouths about Ava before the show started because, you know, everybody thinks they're so smart. And I said every single white sapphic at the county goddamn fair is going to be <laughs> tongue deep in her ass the second that they get, a, like, any kind of vibe that she's going to have a thing with Sarah. And all of a sudden, everybody's in her fucking fan club and I'm like, I've been here. I live here. I have my house here. I rent condos here. You're on my property. We built a hotel. My <laughs> point, and I like that's the thing is, I I remember when we first saw her. The reason I liked her is because it's like her code name is fucking mistress. The show is a disaster, and it is. And and her code name is. But I love her. Um, and she is a disaster. My biggest worry is that she's going to be the person who revived Kuasa and be working for Malice, but also the person that raised. I'm sorry. The person that Brandon's wife is playing is the daughter of Damien Dark, who is also, like, white, so it could have just been her. Yes. 
or it could be um it could be a red herring it could be the red herring red herring it could be red herring um he, because he's a w he's a wb property yeah, listen when is red when herring is, going to join the legend spin when is when is my when is my dark and sexy scooby-doo reboot happening with cw don't say those <laughs> things where god can hear them <laughs> I don't actually want this. I want to make this very clear. Don't you dare they're fucking going make to that. Have, they were going to be on Supernatural, remember? Oh, I'm so angry. Don't fuck. I managed to forget. I managed to forget. I managed to put it out of my head. I managed to go about my life as a normal human being, perform tasks that are expected of anyone living in this society. And then you remind me of this, and then I had to tear up the social contract and go live in the fucking woods away from the Supernatural and Scooby-Doo crossover. It hurts. I'm trying not to fucking piss myself. Holy shit! I, I'm so angry. I, I'm so angry. I'm, I'm literally at the point where I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just so funny and I'm laughing like so hard that I cannot actually physically fucking like so breathe sorry. or express laughter. I'm so. But like, I, I feel like I'm I having know, an allergic reaction. The worst part is they're gonna have some goddamn made a scrappy do reference. I'm gonna have to kill whoever the fuck runs the supernatural. I'm with my bare hands. My point. It's what they deserve. Allegedly, I'm not actually going to do that. People who might be like legal people, NSA agent, listening in on this. Oh, please! They have <laughs> you have absolutely no legal jurisdiction <laughs> over this completely alleged, unofficial, unaffiliated podcast. <laughs> and if you say <laughs> Melissa Bebo that you are going to try to sue for defamation, I really hope that someone's more expensive lawyer reminds you how the fucking law works allegedly thank you um my point is oh my goodness what, what the hell was my even point um give me give me a hot second um I mean, I do really like Ava. I think she's got a lot of promise. I'm really and genuinely, unironically excited for the amount of women we're seeing introduced on this show. There are certain complaints that can be made, like how Kwasa is conveniently the darkest-skinned black woman we've seen on the show this far, and she is un antagonist, and that's bad. Um, no yeah. debate to be had about that. That's pretty fucking bad. Um, and on that note, there is one thing, and this is not the show being actively racist, but I would like to talk about it because it's revel relevant. Relevant. I almost said re revenant. Sorry. Um, it's the revenant. I'd like to see him try because I'm the revenant. Studio. <laughs> but um, my point is when Amaya, God bless her innocent, pure, soft heart, she says to the team, I killed people. I'm a monster. And she says they were just boys. They were, you know, they were Belgian soldiers, but they were just boys. And I gotta say, Mark Guggenheim, you are mistaken. You are mistaken. I have really bad news for you. Um, for those of you who don't know this, Mark the, Guggenheim allegedly thinks that imperialism is benevolent. I just don't think he, like, and I mean, I truly believe he did not. I'm sure he thought it was bad, like how colonialism was always bad. But the King Leopold's reign in the Congo and thus Belgian involvement in Africa at the height of colonialism was nothing short of genocide. Like, I want to make that very clear. A lot of people died for the sake of making Belgium a lot of fucking money. And to pretend like anyone involved in the money-making genocide scheme that was colonialism is not thus complicit in genocide is pretty fucking facetious so when they're like amaya killed someone and that's really sad and she they were just boys i gotta call bullshit it was absolutely bullshit i know she's a good person and i'm sure that 
she would just feel bad about taking a human life, period, because she is gentle and good. But, but at the same time, Nazis, it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. It's just a different time period. So I can and she was willing it's to sign same up. Time until, period, different place. It said 1942 because I guess yeah. she went right back. She All right. Went, so yeah, then, yeah. It's literally just the same, same shit, different day. Um, but with that being said, like if you were willing to sign up to kill Nazis, you should be just as willing to kill colonialists in the Congo. And the fact that the show seems to think that the two are different is not the case historically. It's really just. Such proof of the it's sort ignorance. of white liberalism ignorance that seems to plague so many male comics writers specifically. Oh, do not get me started on this weird enlightened liberal so I can be racist and homophobic and awful because I'm on your side. It's just, and like, that's exactly what it is. And every... Countdown. Um, I don't want to talk about it. I'm still traumatized. Nick Spencer, allegedly. Uh, no, Nick Spencer. I don't even want, I, I, oh, I got a fucking opinion, all right? I am not talking about Nick Spencer, because I... See you in court, There's not a lot of people, like, not a lot of comics writers that I would just drop everything if I saw them in the street and just go charging at them full fucking clothesline and just get a running tackle in before anyone could stop me. Nick Spencer's on that list. In any case, I did have to take umbrage with that when they were like, Amaya killed these people and she feels awful because they were just boys because these were not people who, if she had like accidentally killed allied soldiers or something and she was like, I killed these people. Maybe they were getting aggressive and she yeah. didn't, she missed, uh, if she had misunderstood a situation where like allied soldiers, like American or, or, or English soldiers were getting aggressive and she attacked them and killed them and felt bad about that, that would be a little more understandable because even if they'd done something wrong, they wouldn't be, such a part of the depraved moral abyss that was the general everything of colonialism. So they just picked a really weird target to have Amaya feel remorse for murdering. They definitely could have picked, if they really wanted her to feel bad about this, they could have picked someone else. I'm so glad we complimented the critic writers. I mean, again, it's really, that's true. But this is like, again, this is very like, I don't think this was maliciousness on their part. And there have been times where I've criticized what the show has done. And I said, even if it's not malicious, it still contributes to a larger culture that encourages malice and hatred towards one group or another. This really does seem like someone didn't know their history. And given that I can't even really call the show historically accurate, I don't really think it's fair to be like, well, it's a time travel show about history. No, it's fucking not. It It was, last last episode was Teen Beach Movie starring Julius Caesar. So clearly. I thought you were going to say Teen Wolf and I'm like, they haven't done a Teen Wolf. Oh God. They have not done, they're doing a vampire episode. They have not yet done a werewolf episode. The Halloween episode, here, here's the thing is I really like old school horror. So I feel like I'm going to be We're sitting here. We're having two Halloween episodes. I am blessed. We're having the 304, which is the um, E.T. tribute with Baby Ray and the Baby Dominator. That's adorable. And then we're having 305, which is Victorian vampires. Like, so, um, like, I actually have a lot to, and I, I, when I was younger, from like the ages of like 8 to 11, I was super into the romantics. Vampires are my thing. I should say eight to eleven. If you're into the eight, ro- if you, eight to like eight to like fourteen. You know, if you're into the romantics, how do you feel about Taylor Swift's song "The New Romantics," which is both a critique of the old form? I of really, I and- really want. <laughs> I know. I hope to God if they ever do like a trashy like Lifetime documentary. I don't know why Lifetime would be doing a documentary on the romantic poets, but if they did for whatever reason, I want that song to be playing in the background very quietly the whole fucking here's movie, I, and no one really acknowledges I need, it. I need somebody to do a fucking. 
Like this a, counts as also what we're looking forward to, by the way. A video tribute to the movie Becoming Jane with Anne Hathaway to <laughs> Taylor Swift's The New Romantic. Okay, if you want, if you want, be, be, be the tribute video you wish to see in the world. That is a really, that is a really banging concept. My point is, is like, from the ages of like, age of 14, I was super obsessed with the romantics and also Victorian literature and, and vampires. I read... Literature? Literature. <laughs> but I read so many fucking... I read all of the decent Anne Rice novels, um, some of Poppy Z. Bright's stuff, Sunglasses After Dark, a bunch of books on vampire myth, every single... I watched The Hunger, I did... I watched all these goddamn awful movies about vampires, so I'm gonna have a I lot to say. I watched all seven seasons of True Blood. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Um, I'm gonna have a lot to say you about know, the vampire episode, and I'm truly excited. Sometimes I wonder, because like I feel like this is at least the tenth time over the course of our podcast that I've mentioned I watched all seven seasons of True Blood, and sometimes I'm like, if we ever did, for some reason, make merch for assumedly just the two of us. Yeah, I know. Like, sure, the, the two of us would be wearing that we would put on red. What would it say? And I'm I'm pretty sure the Things that it would say is allegedly an exclamation point, and I watched all seven seasons of True Blood, <laughs> and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Um, or I think possibly as an anime fan, um, I don't want that to I be my catchphrase. <laughs> I've only said that like twice. Twice is too many times. But yeah, I was gonna um, say. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you hit your threshold for saying the number of times <laughs> you were in the Kingdom Hearts. Um, I will them. also. I guess while we're out here, I was also into Homestuck. I feel like at some point. Holy this is, shit! You can't just confess that on. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I've never read I'll, it, listener, and I never will. I listen. My reasons for having read it are fraught. Um, but all I want you to know is. I did read it. I was never it. shut up. I never wrote fanfic for it. I okay, never cosplayed it. I never participated. Yes, you did cosplay it. Okay, one time at like a at a library con, so that does not fucking count. I shut up. I would. I would though. I would cosplay Roxy Lalonde again if given the chance. I did not participate in discourse. I did not know anyone in the How fandom. kids were drawn in like white like f like f f f f f um or zero 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 i can't remember yeah. there f, 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 zero 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 is black thank you i thought so um there was a point where one of them gained a super mode called trickster mode and her skin turned peach and she made a joke about being caucasian and within 24 hours the joke had to be changed because the the amount of discourse on both sides. I hear the drums in the deep. They're coming. It was insane. And I mean, listen, yes, it was really bad. And like the people were super fucking racist. I had cameras about the kids. I want to make that very clear. Like that I was, that I didn't really, but I saw it. <laughs> Fuck you. Pause that. Pause that. Then we're going to get arrested. Um, now, Taylor Swift will actually we're gonna, we're gonna We're going to get arrested by the LimeWire police. I literally, <laughs> I truly could my not believe. My almost just fell out of my fucking body. I'm sorry. I freaked out because I legitimately thought that you knew that Homestuck had so much fucking discourse. No, I thought, I thought score. we, I thought it was like a Rick and Morty thing where no. it's just I mean, fucking yes and bad and people were too passionate about something It wasn't that was really bad. ever, it wasn't bad. 
it was it was like fun and creative and weird it was definitely not for everyone but there were some really like engaging and fun parts of it like there were parts i wouldn't have kept fucking reading if there hadn't been parts of it worth sticking around for but the fan base was so huge and for a lot of people it was like baby's first fandom that it blew up and out of control this has literally no relevance to legends of tomorrow I mean, but it really doesn't but in a way doesn't it having no relevance to the legends of tomorrow make it the most legends of tomorrow thing possible that's true but i mean for those of you what my point about it was is when i say these things and want you to know that i am a seasoned i have seen some shit but my legends point, of tomorrow i've actually really enjoyed being a part of and making content for. it's a small fandom and i think for a lot of people it's not their main fandom so you have less of yeah, what they've so been calling I, like that one percent thing where you have the one percent of fans that are super like the people who start fights over fucking spicy barbecue sauce um at mcdonald's so okay with the legends have caused a thing about say spicy barbecue sauce at a McDonald's. I feel like no, yes, they would have just literally traveled back to fucking 1990, whatever the fuck, oh God, and gotten have. the goddamn sauce, hundred percent. And then Sarah would have sold the shit on eBay for like a thousand dollars, and that's how we got the budget for season four. You know what you would have um, bought with that a thousand dollars? A dildo. Uh, just I was gonna say a lot of weed, but that also works. Um, but call my dildo point. filled with weed. Nice. Um, you dick get the bomb. Best. <laughs> do not do not smoke weed out of a dildo that you have put inside yourself or anyone else. Okay. Uh, however, however, if it is like a bong that is shaped like a dildo, that's fine. Yes, but do not put that inside yourself. If um, you have no, you know, do not put things inside yourself. That's just a general. Word. No, I mean you can you can put things just don't are... put things inside. We're not telling you to put things inside yourself. Is what I'm trying to say here. Please talk. You can put things. No, please wait. talk to a seasoned sex educator before you put something inside yourself. Do not consult a Ouija board if you should put something inside your butt. Like, do not consult a Ouija board about consult anything. Consult a doctor. Consult a, consult a real person. Um. <laughs> this is something your hunter has said. At this some is yes. Do I not really... consult a Ouija board. Oh god. Who you that should was, be fucking. Speaking of Sarah, rip, what if it was my sister? Nope, cannot. St- that wasn't. It was it not. Was not. The, the demon was lying to you. <laughs> um, my point is, is I really love that Gideon, like, doesn't like Ava because it was really cute, and I'm like, you don't like Ava because she's hanging out with Rip, and you are a jealous. You're a jealous robot slut. You really are. I mean um, that in the fondest way possible. Yes, like I mean, listen, she's on robot Tinder, so like clearly Gideon. I can't believe the show needed to tap us on the shoulder and go, hey, just so you know, Gideon's still fuckable, and then, like, walked out of the room and left us to deal with that information. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? (laughs) Phil! It wasn't even like we saw... It's not like we saw a shot of her human form again. We literally saw her on, like, fake Tinder. I'm like, I didn't need the reminder. Phil! Phil. (laughs) What the shit? Are we we going anywhere with this, or is it time to tie it up? I mean, tie it up. I think what we are both looking forward to is, listen, I think... Fucking love Halloween. I am so excited for our I'm, two Halloween I'm episodes. really excited to meet Zari next week. She's got air powers. She's very good. And then... And beautiful. She's very pretty, very beautiful, very good. Inside um, and out. Very um, excited for a new female character. Can't wait for her to do uh, Yell and Ray with a already, She's already my child, and yeah. I love her. I stand. I stand immediately. Um, I We are also excited for the episode that we are currently writing in which we are not actually writing real episode, where the team gets a bullhorn. <laughs> and that's it. That's the episode. Team yeah. the megaphone. Here, here are some idea episodes from us to close out the episode. Yep. The team gets a bullhorn and that just they're just on the wave order and they have a bullhorn. That's the entire episode. That's uh, it. That's, that's the, the episode. The team too. waits for the F train. The team, wait for, the team waits for the motherfucking F train. <laughs> the change that Holy came shit. over your face. The hatred and contempt. Okay. Um. When are they getting their Scooby Doo crossover? Somebody gives. But Mick it's a, not actually. Somebody Scooby-Doo. gives Mick a Starbucks order, and he has to go to the Starbucks and get their Starbucks order. And everyone else is just hanging out at the Wave Rider, waiting for him to get back at the Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And he's literally 
like just having the worst fucking time a person can have. He doesn't know what Starbucks is. Um, the team but he, gets he lost. Does it, he does it because Amaya and Ray will be sad if he doesn't. Oh, and he's like, oh, I hate them so fucking much. But he doesn't anyway. What the fuck is a Frappuccino? I need three of them. I know. And there, you know, and there's like 18 different flavors. And he just is like, just give me one of all of them. And also, by the way, I'm not paying for any of these. Um, and also pulls out gun. I'm not paying. <laughs> but that being said, um, we are excited for what the show actually has in store for us so far. And that's um, a weird feeling to have. And it is. And I just, again, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I need it to not drop. I'm pretty sure the shoe is going to drop and, like, the crossover is just going to be and honestly, fucking unbearable. If the crossover is unbearable. That is, a, that, is a, that is something I'm willing to take. Yeah, the rest of the season is that's good a, and the crossover is a steaming shit pile. I'm fine with that. Yeah, because I'll take that's it. where it seems like we're headed and I'm absolutely fine with that because mm-hmm. better Mark fucking shove all this garbage into the crossover mm-hmm. and then put his... And then leave Legends alone for the rest of the his season. dirty, novel little hands on a show with good characters. Yeah, no. But we are really excited for everything except the crossover, and I think y'all are really excited for the crossover, because we're gonna be fucking mean about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that real meanness about us that you've missed, that are we real... Mean? Am I mean? I try not, to be no, nice. No, honest. That's fair. Um, I also just get very protective. I'm not mean when it's Mark Guggenheim or it's Bebo or Arizona And that's the thing. Is this is a message for any of our younger viewers. It's okay to have opinions and be angry and it doesn't make you a bitch. And even if it doesn't make you a bitch, be a bitch. Emma Frost would want you to do this. You do you. Um, so on that note of positive affirmation, we're going to close this podcast out. Thanks for listening and sticking around. We really appreciate it. And it makes us happy whenever people message Stay us and are school. excited. Don't do home stuff. Good night. Don't Please don't do home stuff. Night, guys. <laughs>